Welcome to In Focus on the Go. It's our podcast version of this week's broadcast. We're going to be talking a lot today about this moment in America, all the allegations of sexual misconduct in Washington and elsewhere, and what Indiana lawmakers are saying, what uh, pundits here in Indiana are saying about this election in Alabama Tuesday. Could Roy Moore be elected to the Senate just days after three different lawmakers had to step down because of allegations of sexual misconduct? Also, stick around after the broadcast. Going to be uh, talking with our panel, some bonus content for you about some of the things that are being ignored, some of the things that aren't getting enough attention right now because of all of the controversies happening in D.C. Plus, my interviews coming up with Congressman Todd Rokita and Senator Joe Donnelly in focus on the go starts right now. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. So many controversies in Congress this week, and today we're talking with Indiana lawmakers about both the policy debates and the ongoing sexual misconduct scandals, which is two days now till voters go to the polls in Alabama. Roy Moore has been back ahead of Doug Jones in many of the latest polls. Of course, Moore is accused of being involved with a 14-year-old girl when he was in his 30s. All eyes on Alabama two days from now with the president and the RNC giving more their support in recent days. This past week, the focus was on several current lawmakers who are now stepping down, including Senator Al Franken, who announced on the Senate floor that he'd be resigning at the end of the year. Congressman John Conyers and Trent Franks stepping down as well, while others remain under scrutiny for sexual misconduct. All this happening amidst another interesting week for the president and for Congress. The House and Senate hammering out their differences on the tax reform bill. And oh yeah, lawmakers working overtime to get a two-week budget extension and prevent a government shutdown, at least for another two weeks. Issues like DACA and immigration still on the back burner as a number of Indiana lawmakers gear up for 2018. This week, I spoke on the record with Congressman Todd Rokita. We're now within a week of the special election in Alabama. I know we've spoken about this a few times, but the dynamic seems to keep changing in the party. So I'll ask you this way. Do you want to see Roy Moore win on Tuesday? If you both win, would you be comfortable serving with him in the Senate? You know, I, I'd be comfortable uh, with whoever the voters of Alabama send to, send, to, send to the Senate, you know, and that's whose decision this is. And I'd be comfortable with Roy Moore. You know, this is a man, uh, a man who's 100 uh, percent pro-life like myself. And uh, what we shouldn't be doing is what Jeff Flake did, the stunt he pulled where uh, he gave a check to, uh, to the other guy, a pro-abortionist. So, you know, uh, uh, really, it's up to the voters of Alabama, and that's, and that's where the decision lies, and that's where it should be. Your proposal, the SLAP Act, you've made some news this week with that proposal to imprison officials from sanctuary cities. Obviously, this topic, immigration issues generally have been pretty controversial this year and in years past. The ACLU called it an attempt to, in their words, bully local communities. What's your response to that? Well, I'll tell you, sanctuary cities, Dan, have got to end because they are harboring illegal criminal uh, aliens. And local and state politicians, elected officials who ignore uh, federal immigration law, who ignore federal immigration uh, requests that are constitutionally upheld and valid, you know, deserve to go to jail. If they're going to act like criminals by ignoring the law and putting the safety, uh, the safety of their constituents below these criminals, well, you know, they ought to be 
treated as criminals themselves, and we ought to lock them up. So currently, there are no sanctuary cities we're aware of in Indiana. But if there were, say, Indianapolis or Bloomington made that decision, you'd be comfortable saying the mayor of Indianapolis, the mayor of Bloomington should go to jail? Uh, Absolutely. Of course, after a trial and due process and all that. But yeah, a a criminal felony charge uh, up to um, uh, five years in prison, a million dollar fine. Uh, You know, if you're a regular citizen and you harbor uh, a, a criminal alien and, uh, you could, the punishment actually could be worse than that. So yeah, this is the least we should be doing. Uh, local officials, just like every other citizen should be following the law. Want to talk about tax reform. What's next? And obviously you've brought this issue up quite a bit, uh, in terms of the Senate race next year, Senator Donnelly voting against that tax package. What will this mean, uh, moving towards the 2018 uh, Senate race, which you are a part of. Right. Um, well, look, you know, Joe Donnelly should have voted uh, for, ta- for that tax reform package as it came out of the Senate, and he didn't. And once again, he put liberal elites uh, above working Hoosiers. You know, if you're an, a family making an average of forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year in Indiana, uh, you're going to see $1,200 back uh, from your taxes, and that's a lot of money to us. Uh, that's a light bill every month. And, and, and Joe Donnelly, once again, when it mattered, wasn't with us. Uh, he was with the Washington liberal elites. So, yeah, this is going to be an issue. It deserves to be an issue. Uh, this isn't the only time that Joe, has, Joe Donnelly has done this. You know, out of his own mouth, he says he votes with liberals nine out of ten times. He votes with Bernie Sanders over 80 percent of the time and avowed socialists. So, you know, he's not in line with Hoosier values, and that's going to be litigated and prosecuted during the course of this race. Congressman Rokita, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, Dan, thank you. Okay, here now with Senator Joe Donnelly. First, I want to talk tax reform. You voted against that bill last week. One of your potential opponents next year, Congressman Rokita, just told me in his words, he felt you put liberal elites above working Hoosiers by voting no. What's your response to that? My response to that is my focus was on trying to make the paychecks of middle-class Hoosiers who go to work in the dark and home in the dark bigger. And that's not what this bill did. Over half of the families that make less than $75,000 will see a tax increase because of this bill. I talked to the president about making sure that we could end outsourcing so we wouldn't have any more carrier situations. He said that's exactly what he wanted to do in this bill. The Senate bill by Mitch McConnell does the exact opposite. And so the very things I talked about with the president, about making sure that it's for middle-class families, about making sure that it keeps jobs here in the United States, that the president said he wanted, the bill Mitch McConnell put together is the exact opposite. But could this vote against the tax reform bill hurt you next year in the Senate race? You know, my focus is on doing what's right. Uh, I wasn't hired to vote based on what might help in a Senate race. I was hired to make sure that I could help families make a few extra bucks, that I could make their lives a little bit better, that we make the system more fair. And a tax bill that would have reflected benefits for middle-class families, for that family um, in Beach Grove who's looking to have a little bit bigger paycheck, Uh, for the family in Tipton County that's looking to see a little bit better job. That's who my emphasis is on. That's who we're standing up for. This tax bill is skewed toward the wealthy 
doesn't keep jobs in this country, and on the very end of it, also blows up the deficit so that everybody in our viewing audience that's watching is going to have to pay more in terms of interest on the debt, is going to have to see other benefits that we might have had go away because things that we could have done to make our country stronger will go away in order to pay interest on the debt. It's a loser in every one of those areas. If they bring a good tax bill before me that helps middle-class families, count me in every time. I know you've been trying to make the case for Doug Jones in Alabama. It looks like Roy Moore has bounced back in the polls. What's going to happen Tuesday, and what will that mean for this moment we're all experiencing as a country? You know, I don't know what will happen Tuesday, but I do believe Doug Jones will win. And, uh, you know, I think, I think certainly in, in almost every way, um, he's the better candidate. We're going to see a government shutdown. Some Democrats say they're willing to take it that far to settle this DACA issue. What's going to happen here over the coming days? Well, I hope there's no government shutdown. I will not shut down the government over the DACA issue. Uh, on the Russia investigation, more headlines every day, it seems. Where is this headed? Donald Trump Jr. Uh, testifying. How high up will this go? You know, it will go wherever the evidence takes it. And uh, Special Prosecutor uh, Mueller is somebody who is thorough, who is nonpartisan, who focuses only on what the evidence shows. Um, that has been his career his entire time in public service. And so I don't know where this goes at the end of the day, uh, other than to say I do know it will go wherever the evidence leads. If there's nothing there, then nothing will happen. If there is something there, then, then uh, appropriate actions will be taken. Okay, Senator Joe Donnelly, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. We appreciate it. And at the State House this week, Governor Eric Holcomb added his name to a list of governors supporting the Republican tax bill that passed the Senate. I sat down Thursday with Governor Holcomb for a one-on-one -on -one interview about his first year in office and some of the challenges he'll face next year. And we ended up in a, a pretty good darn spot and uh, made a lot of progress. Um, more work to be done for sure. But um, we did some unprecedented things in, in just less than a year. Now you can see more of my year-end interview with Governor Holcomb next Sunday in Focus. Coming up next, we're talking about Indiana's former governor, Vice President Mike Pence. We'll parse through some of the interesting press clippings on Pence this week. Then the latest debate over guns and new numbers on gun violence. How the city's crime stats could put Indy's mayor in a tough spot. There is a big part of me that will always regret having to walk away from this job with so much work left to be done. Senator Al Franken Thursday night announcing he'll be resigning at the end of the year. This after Indiana Senator Joe Donnelly and many other Democrats and Republicans called on Franken to step down. We're going to talk about Donnelly, Franken, Roy Moore and this entire situation now with our panel, Indy Star columnist, Tim Swearens joining us today, along with two former state lawmakers, Democrat Christina Hale, Republican Mike Murphy, and Jennifer Wagner, the former communications director for the Indiana Democrats. So Franken's out, but Roy Moore could very well be elected to the Senate two days from now. And I think he will be. And, you know, I think Al Franken did the right thing. Um, I commend Joe Donnelly for calling on him to resign. I think you're going to see a lot more of these situations uh, unravel, unfold in the next uh, few weeks. But, you know, Roy Moore was being called on by Republicans to step down. There were threats to not seat him.
and everyone has backtracked on that, and that's sad. And you heard Rokita earlier on this program. He had a couple weeks ago sort of called on Moore to step down uh, on the program today, saying he'd be comfortable serving with Moore in the Senate. Are Democrats ready to pounce on this issue with Franken out now and Moore perhaps being elected this week? Well, I think they will be, but it's way too early. We're a year away from the elections, and there's going to be a lot more crises between now and then. So who knows what the crisis de jour will be. But uh, McConnell is certainly backing off any threats of throwing uh, Roy Moore out. And as Tim uh, mentioned in his uh, column last week, you know, moral relativism is, is not Christian. And it's sad for me to see that, that Roy Moore is our only choice at this point against the Democrat. And, and we could be hearing uh, more lawmakers. We saw multiple resignations this week. There are reports there could be maybe two dozen other lawmakers that are being looked into right now. Christina, what's going on here? I've heard that both nationally and statewide right here in Indiana, that there will be more stories. But what I want to say out there to the girls, the women of tomorrow, the women of today, don't get mad, don't be scared, get elected. If we have more women in office, and right now in our Indiana General Assembly, only one in five lawmakers are women, we won't have these kinds of problems. Tim, Mike mentioned uh, your column last week. Also, your colleague Suzette Hackney wrote about the Time Magazine Person of the Year distinction going to the Me Too movement this past week and uh, saying in her headline, sorry, President Trump, Time Magazine got it right. And then, Tim, as Mike mentioned, you also wrote uh, this past week about the situation uh, with evangelicals following Trump and Roy Moore into a moral swamp, as you put it. I think the Republican Party has to make a decision. What does it want to stand for? What does it believe in? Um, it's tying itself to behavior that's indefensible. And uh, as a conservative, it, it pains me, as, as, as Mike said, it pains him, it pains me to see Republicans and conservatives go into this swamp and wade deeper and deeper and deeper. The president has uh, supported Roy Moore, saying vote for Roy Moore Tuesday. There's also a poll this past week from Quinnipiac showing that 70 percent of respondents also think Congress should investigate the sexual misconduct allegations that the president faced last year on the campaign trail. This, as a Pew Research poll, showed the president's approval rating this past week at just 32 percent. What do you make of those numbers? I think it's, it's, it's very true, and I think, once again, the women of tomorrow, the girls of today, they're going to remember, and this is a generational issue, we're telegraphing to them, the Republican Party is telegraphing to them that this is okay, and it's not okay, and I'll tell you, not only will we have more crises, as Mike says, we'll have more and more incidents, because this behavior is not going to stop. We're going to go through a very painful period while the pendulum swings. What's 2018 going to be like? Well, it's again, it's way too early to tell. Who knows if we're going to be at war in North Korea? Who knows if Middle East war is going to break out over the sighting of the uh, the embassy you in Jerusalem? You paint a pretty rosy picture. Yeah, really, yeah. I mean, really who knows if we, we are going to go into recession? We just have no idea. Once again, I, that Republican leadership, we don't know where we're going. No, I just think well, yeah. in politics, I'm very reluctant to predict more than about a week or two out. But, so, so I, I think it's important not to paint this in partisan terms. This is a much deeper issue. Sure. And the, the fact is there are problems among Democrats and there are problems among yes. Republicans. Unfortunately, right now, only one party seems to be stepping forward to address the problems within its own ranks. Republicans have to get on the ball here. They have to step forward. But this is a this is goes beyond partisan politics. That's very fair. I, I do believe that what you said, Christina, is right. This is a generational issue. I think that the next generation of women will be brought up in a way that they will expect not to be 
treated this way. They will know how to speak out. They will speak out. And I think you see a lot of that reflected in, it is a bipartisan issue, but a lot of these guys are kind of old. We have bad behavior on both sides of the aisle, but we do have one party that is not responding appropriately, and girls will remember. And let me bring up one other point. If, if 20 congressmen re, uh, you know, resign over these kinds of issues, you have 435. 20 out of 435 is, what is that, 5%? Right? Am I wrong? Or am I? Yeah. I don't do math. So 95 percent of them are good people trying to do good things, yeah. and so uh, I, I want to make sure that people know that they they do have good people out there serving them from both parties. We mentioned the president and the accusations from last year. Meantime, let's also talk about the vice president. He's headed to the Middle East next week. And did you see this? Atlantic Magazine had a, a pretty lengthy profile on the vice president this past week called "God's Plan for Mike Pence." The article suggested that Pence had been essentially uh, planning a coup, as they put it, volunteering last year to take the top spot on the ticket when the Access Hollywood tape came out, something the vice president's office has denied this week. But this, this was quite an article. It was quite an article. I don't particularly like the artwork because I think it, it mocks Mike Pence's faith, and I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. But um, and, and at the same point, in, the, in defense of Mike Pence, when that story broke, there were lots of questions about the presidential nominee's future, and he was the vice presidential nominee. Right. Does he sit back and do nothing, or does he prepare for a possible outcome? Who knows what happened behind the scenes there for about 48 hours? Right. Nobody knew what was going on. I don't happen. think it's any shock, though. I mean, I believe that Mike Pence is a very faithful man, but he's also a very ambitious man, so it would not surprise me at all if, if some of this story was true. That's that kind of the main been, theme of the Yeah, article. that he was thinking yeah. about that. So, um, well, I'll tell you that Mike Pence does believe, and he does govern his life by the idea that God does have a plan for him. And if it meant stepping up, he would have been available. Not that he would have pushed himself forward, you know, necessarily, but he would have been available, and he would have considered that God's plan. Okay, we've all uh, talked here about Al Franken, Roy Moore, the president. Uh, let's also talk about this Indiana Senate race. Joe Donnelly up for re-election. Five GOP candidates uh, still in this thing. Messer, Rokita, Braun, also Mark Hurt and Andrew Takami. I spoke with both of them this week. You'll see that next Sunday. We learned this week all the candidates will appear together at a GOP event next month. A lot happened in this race last week. Messer earned the endorsement of several suburban mayors in Hamilton County. The Rokita campaign reminded everyone that one of those mayors is Fisher's mayor, Scott Fadness, who, of course, employs Messer's wife. And, of course, they both hit Donnelly hard for his vote against the tax reform bill, and both went after Mike Braun as well. Braun's Voting history was the subject of a report in the Associated Press. He voted as a Democrat in several primaries starting back in the 90s, only recently voting in a GOP primary before becoming a state rep. And then we broke the story Friday about his brother Steve Braun, also only started voting in Republican primaries when he became a state representative. He voted in the Democratic primary in 2008. Uh, his campaign responded to that, saying... There were a lot of Republicans who voted in that 2008 primary, but perhaps for both of the brothers Braun here, a little bit of an interesting situation. Well, I'd love to, I'd love to ask both brothers Braun. I think the event asked and refused to answer. Who they who voted they vote for? for in 08? Are they Hillary fans or are they Obama fans? But I think Mike Braun's uh, response, or I should say his campaign manager's response, was weak and smacked of making an answer up on the fly to say he just voted in a couple of primaries to impact the primary. That's BS. I mean, he, he voted for 20 to 30 years as long as people can find records in Democratic primaries. What he should have said is, I'm like Ronald Reagan, I switched parties. And that would be a legitimate yeah. answer. And, of course, the president himself right. 
Was it was it one? Was a recent cut? Yeah. Yes, but I think Republic this story reason. says something politically that you're not talking about, which is the other guys in the field, the two other main candidates, are kind of getting worried about Braun. You don't plant this That's kind true. of a story. You don't go put out his voting record at this He's point. He's been on TV a lot. Yep. If yep. you're not worried about, him. of course they didn't. The AP did, but. Well, I'm just saying, you can't, whatever, Mike. You heard Rokita and Donnelly uh, earlier talking. What do you make of Donnelly's vote against this tax reform bill? Is that going to hurt him next year in the race for Senate? I don't think so. I mean, we can see this is going to really hurt the pocketbooks of people making an average wage of $40,000 a year, $50,000 a year. These are middle wage, middle class Hoosiers that are going to feel that hurt in their pocketbook at their kitchen table. So, no, I think he did the right thing. What do you make of all the news? He's going to get hammered by, uh, from now until Election Day by Republicans. Uh, we are a Republican state. Uh, Donald Trump won the state by 19 percentage points. And, and the, the key achievement at this point of the Trump administration, Joe Donnelly voted against. All right. Up Big next, mistake. We Big are mistake. talking uh, coming up about guns and gun violence, plus the new proposal that could affect how guns are allowed to be carried across state lines. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Gun rights supporters are celebrating a legislative victory that could make it easier to carry guns across state lines. This past week, the House passed a measure to make concealed carry permits valid across state lines. Supporters say this proposal would clarify a patchwork of state laws. It would mean gun permits wouldn't be legal in one state and illegal in another. This bill faces a, a tougher challenge in the U.S. Senate. More gun violence here in Indianapolis. The city essentially matching its all-time record for criminal homicides with three weeks left in 2017. Tim is back with me now. You've got a column out this weekend about these crime numbers and what it means for Mayor Joe Hogsett, who you say is, quote, failing at keeping our city safe. This is the third year in a row for Indianapolis to set a record for homicides. Two of those years, Joe Hogsett has been the mayor. It's a very complex issue, tough one to get a handle on. But Joe Hogsett did run for mayor in 2015 as the public safety candidate. He talked about the violence in the city and said he would solve the problem. So far, we've not seen results. That column, you can find it at IndyStar.com. We're back with this week's winners and losers right after this. Time right now for this week's winners and losers. Tim, you're up first. I feel like we all lost this week because winter finally arrived. But but on a on a really discouraging note, uh, the people of Alabama are a loser. It looks like Roy Moore is going to win on Tuesday, and and that's that's really bad. I see it. There are winners and losers in the decision to declare Jerusalem the capital of Israel by our president. But I would have to say, global security is in the world's safety is the biggest loser there. Right. I just have one winner. Our good mutual friend Tom Lobianco just signed yeah. a huge deal with Harper Collins, a big definitive biography on Mike Pence. I'd say you stole mine, but my actual winner this week is my daughter Alexandra, who turns 10 on December 10th today. It's her golden birthday, and I love you so much, honey. Hey, happy birthday. We'll be back again next Sunday in Focus. Okay, thanks for joining us for a little bonus content here in Focus on the Go. You know, crazy, crazy times right now in politics. And so, you know, a lot of focus on, on the president, on Washington, D.C., on this Me Too movement as well, on sexual misconduct. But we also wanted to talk today, what are some of the things that aren't getting enough attention right now, this day and age, that uh, here in Indiana or nationally that, that, that need to get more focus? I mean, one of the things that is going on that is... is um happening, I think, despite all the craziness in politics, our economy is strong right now. Uh, Dow hit a record this Dow keeps, again. keeps hitting record after record after record. Um, and uh, employment is very strong. We're actually starting to see some growth in incomes. 
Um, and it's not just in the United States. Worldwide, we're seeing an economic surge. So that lifts a lot of people. Uh, it's not just about the numbers. It's about the everyday lives of millions, if not billions of people around the world that are being improved. Uh, that's really important, but it gets overlooked because of all the chaos that's going on in politics. I, I'm glad you mentioned the importance of everyday lives because right here in Indiana, infant mortality is a terrible issue. And in fact, we have the worst infant mortality when it comes to African-American babies than any other state in the nation. Maternal mortality is a huge challenge as well. We have more than 20 counties where women can't even give birth because they don't have access to OBGYN services that allow them to do that. So if you're a rural woman in Indiana, you can be in big trouble when it comes time to deliver. There are many very real life issues happening that not, we're not talking about when we're talking right. about cold beer. They don't get a lot of attention. I agree. Sometimes we talk about the surfacey stuff, sex and booze. Everybody likes to talk about that, right? But Christine is absolutely right. Um, we are losing 600 kids a year before the first birthday. Riley Hospital and Riley Foundation, in conjunction with Eli Lilly and the State Department of Health, are going to lead a major effort over the next several years. It could take a couple hundred million dollars to drop this down. Right now, we rank between, I think it's Ukraine and Bulgaria in our, in our uh, infant exactly mortality right. rate. And to get to Christina's point, women are having to drive a, a public health infrastructure outside you know, Fort Wayne, Evansville, Indianapolis is, is absolutely dismal. And we have women who are having to drive 50 to 60 miles to go to an OBGYN. So what's, what happens? They're not getting prenatal care at all. So Mike and Christina, you have both worked in the state legislature. Uh, Jennifer and Mike, you've both worked in the world of messaging and public relations. How do you get a message out this day and age about other issues that are important when so many other things are happening? I have no earthly idea because <laughs> I encountered this both in my professional yeah. life and, and here. I don't know. I mean, and a lot of the issues you're talking about are rural issues. I think um, one of the issues we could be talking about here, which has gotten a little bit of play, is the opioid crisis. Right. How do you get outside of where we are and where we live and there's a dense population and people care to where people are more spread out and their issues can't really get some into of, the mainstream. But it's also some of that economic news, the good economic news. I don't know if that trickles down it, to, it, to rural. It doesn't. Right. And I think one of the big problems we face, not just in Indiana, but across the country, is is uh, sometimes called income inequality. But I, I, would, I would describe it as an income gap. And uh, we have educated uh, people who have access to incredible technology and, and uh, education and so many great things. And then we have other people in the same community, side by side in many cases, who don't have that access and there's not an avenue for them to get to where they would like to go and where we would all we all need them to but go. It really comes down to leadership. Governor Holcomb is one man, one administration can only do so much. The private sector has to step up to, to battle the infant mortality, for example. We need an effort in Indiana which I don't want to sound like I'm you know, too hyperbolic, but we need an Indiana version of the Marshall Plan or the Committee for the Relief of Belgium. We need a senior major CEO to come in and take over and run a campaign to save babies like he or she would their own company. I've actually called for an Indiana roundtable on issues of the family because there are some yeah. solvable problems, but we need to sit down and get everybody from every angle at that table in a very solution-oriented way to really 
come to grips with what we're facing. Yeah. More than half the babies die in about uh, 20 zip codes in the state wow. of Indiana. Wow. It, it, you, we know where it's happening. We do a, know where it's happening. A lot of issues that don't get a lot of coverage. We have a lot of very smart people here on our panel who don't always have enough time on the show to say all of the smart things that they know about these issues. So thanks for taking some extra time here on the podcast this week. And you can always catch In Focus on the go right here.